Welcome to the Final Phase Podcast, episode number six already. Wow. Today's guest is a good friend of mine coming in from Germany. He's a YouTube content creator and a Twitch streamer. He's one of the biggest guys in the CSGO scene, physically and online. He also streams a lot of PUBG, and that's obviously how uh, the two of us met. We're going to discuss streaming, making videos, struggles that everyone goes through in their careers, and we'll touch a little bit on how to get sponsored as a streamer, but also discuss CSGO and PUBG esports. Let's jump right in. So we finally got Mr. Tweede here. How you doing, man? Hello. I'm good. Just the usual, you know, scheduling and stuff like that, but... Yeah, you I'm had a very early stream to today, right? Yeah. I don't An know when you started. Unusually early stream. <laughs> the sleeping, the schedule is back, but... That's I'm good. Ho- I'm hoping That's good. it's back. That's good. Um, so yeah, tell us a bit about yourself, how you got into gaming. I think a lot of people know you, especially the ones that came from CS, but uh, even in PUBG, I think everyone knows you. But still, tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, I suppose. Um, well, I got into gaming just like everyone else did. Some casual games, right? For me, it was um, wait, Doom was the very first game. When I was like seven or eight, so like a really old PC. Uh, then more or less PlayStation games, right? Crash Bandicoot, whatever. And at one point, a friend of mine introduced me to Counter-Strike Source. He found that new cool game when it was released in 2003 or four. Fast forward, 1.6 came across, Source came across. And then from... I'm actually not the usual the usual gamer then because then I stuck with Counter-Strike only pretty much until Counter-Strike Go came out. That's when I made that switch. Played a couple of games on and off. Here I am playing PUBG nowadays and Counter-Strike pretty much as the main games. Mm-hmm. Um, so you mostly play Counter-Strike. You also started a YouTube channel, what, maybe even 10 years ago or even more? Roughly, yeah, 2007, Roughly. 2008, 2007, 10, 11 years. Yeah, so tell us about how you started a YouTube channel. What was the like idea behind it at the it start sh- and how did how it evolved? It was just showing off clips with the friends, honestly. Um, like, you know, you play, I, I play a lot of these LAN tournaments and stuff. I even somewhere on my old YouTube channel, there's a, like a really old LAN movie from like where 100 people or something came together in my area and we won that and I showed off the frags of 2v2 tournaments and stuff like that. So it really just came from showing off the clips that you got like to impress your friends and then it fast forward, it just grew into people from around the country, from around the world started watching and it grew, 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 right? So mm-hmm. so you started with some sort of like clips or little frag movies? Yeah. Yeah, like I just started with uh, showing off those clips in uh, old clan base. And um, in Germany, it was called Stammkneipe. Maybe one viewer is even going to remember that one. Like really, really old, small, tawny, small. Like something where you just play with your friends to compete in a way. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to show that off. And that's what I did. And that's how I also got into video editing. I was on, like, I remember the, those LAN thingies that we did at my friend's place with 20 people everybody was like casual playing games yeah. and i was sitting there like learning how to edit with sony vegas by doing those videos and everybody was sort of it kind of spiraled because they were watching me doing these videos they i played them back they like these videos right kind of what a content creator nowadays is like nowadays obviously it's more with money focused and stuff like that as well but it's still that scenario of you create something somebody's giving you positive feedback you like that positive feedback you create more Mm-hmm. that's how it kind of started because everybody gave me positive feedback and everybody was knocking on my door like, hey, this video is cool. You should do some more. Yeah, uh, that's kind of how it, or how it evolved or from where it evolved. Just uh, for the viewers who don't know, you now have about 650,000 on YouTube, yeah, something like that. Something 670, something. Mm-hmm. I honestly, mm-hmm. I stopped after these algorithm updates. I stopped <laughs> looking too much at the numbers because it's... Yeah, so it's it's a it's a considered like a really big channel on YouTube, but it took uh, you were in this for quite a long time. You started when you were what, like fifteen, sixteen? Yeah, started yeah. really early. I, I think I was a sort of a big shot in Counter Strike Source already, right? But like as soon as Counter Strike Go, I mean, you 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 can basically see my success with Counter Strike success. Mm-hmm. That's that's how you can sort of imagine it. Mm-hmm. 
but uh, where did you get the most growth uh, on YouTube? What period of Counter Strike, let's say? Well, as soon as the as soon as skins got introduced, like you can actually really just see the curve of Counter Strike's viewership and then my viewership. Mm-hmm. Like as soon as uh, cases got involved, skins got involved. Obviously, before that, I had a good amount of views already. With like you know, but so yeah. like Counter Strike was like this, and then skins got in, introduced, and whoop. yeah, and then you know it spiraled because money was involved and gambling came across and more money was involved and then everybody from all the scenes came into it the only thing that it didn't reach counter-strike i suppose is because of its questionable format that it's you know counter-terrorist was terrorist etc is the mainstream mm-hmm. which is what fortnite got mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. but yeah counter-strike like this my curve exactly the same pretty much yeah yeah although i mean counter-strike did have a big esports scene even from the early 2000s but it was never like the mainstream game like you said there was always a game or two that were a little bit bigger uh until that point i guess um so could you explain us explain to us a little bit how the skins worked and why they became so popular and why it made cs so popular well it kind of they they introduced it just like every microtransaction right but the good thing or the thing that kind of made it popular is because it held a monetary value. And then, of course, more and more people were like, this is cool, this is special. It's just like somebody's, um, how's it called? It's just like, uh, how's it called when somebody wants to have something? It's, it's getting out of my mind right now. Uh, um, craving? or Yeah, like, it's just, it's just like unnecessary luxury things for Counter-Strike in that sense. Mm-hmm. They spiraled. Because of the because of Counter Strike's popularity, and then they they went out of the Steam market, and you could get them for thousands of dollars, more like the rare skins and all this kind of stuff. And then gambling got introduced. Like people mm-hmm. started, hey, this is a monetary value. You know, we can make money because of yeah monetary value. It doesn't matter how, but we can actually introduce some sort of gambling to it. So and it was, was accessible that. to literally everyone. Yes, like, even it was the a kids, very, very even, high gray yeah. area and. Because of it being a gray area and so easily accessible for everybody because it was virtual items. And like it was virtual items. It wasn't. And a lot of people still to this day didn't probably realize the monetary value behind it, except the ones that ran the websites or the ones that advertised or the ones that actually sold these skins at one point like me, you know, like I sold these skins as soon as I won something, I sold half of it again. Yeah. So, yeah. And with money you know comes more interest from people money makes the world spin in that sense and then all of the people from the big the bigger youtubers they all chimed in and they it spiraled into like one of these heavy balloons of just like money floating everywhere like millions of dollars i would even go that far to say billions of dollars Mm -hmm. yeah and eventually then it broke down because of people's greediness like people got greedy People got greedy. People were involved in like scams and yeah, stuff. Scams and, just... and heavy scams. Like yeah. Scam machines in that sense. To this day, I still feel like the ecosystem of Counter-Strike would be a lot more popular if that would still be a regular thing, the gambling. Yeah. I do still also believe that it isn't something bad if it's in a way regulated. Because, yeah. you know, gambling yeah. can be fun. I like to go in a casino as well. But yeah, with good rights, so it got, it got terminated by Valve in the end. Yeah. Just because people, yeah, it's it's an unoverseeable sea of thieves. You can put it yeah. like that, I'd say. And not just for CS, they shut it down for every game, right? Yeah, so. they shut it. They they yeah, they the cease of desist. No, wait, how's it, how was it called? The letter, there's something something like that. The yeah, letter yeah, that yeah. They sent out everything that has to do with Steam got shut down, mm-hmm. and then. Shortly after, I mean, PUBG followed up as well by disabling trading to completely avoid anything that has to do with third-party people. Yeah. Which is, yeah. So you were, at one point, the NIP uh, movie editor, frag movie editor. Yeah. Uh, tell us about that, how you got into it, and what was your job there? Well, so I'm, I'm going to... It, it's, I'm, I'm going to hold... I'm going to, like, just swing a little bit on that one with NIP. Mm-hmm. Um, is because it all spiraled down to how and where I started was that I did these YouTube videos. Yeah. Now that all came across, there was really nobody there who was super interested in creating these frag movies for people. 
Um, I was the one that was interested to do these frag movies. Uh, when Counter-Strike Go came around the corner, every, all, of the, all of the editors in 1.6 and Source, it's kind of the same scenario with the players. Everybody was like, nah, 1.6 is, is, the, is the way. Nah, Counter-Strike Source is the way. And then there was that one player, for instance, GetRight, who instantly said, nah, I'm, I'm going to try Go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try CSGO. That, that was going to be the way. And he was wildly hated for that. A lot of people despised of that idea that uh, 1.6 and Source is, is, is gone and CSGO, which was a terrible game at that time. It was an absolute terrible game. I, I think like um, there was a YouTuber who just uploaded a video of Counter-Strike of CSGO in 2013 because he found a version. And if you look at it, you just realize how bad the game actually was. Mm -hmm. So for the editors or for the people that run YouTube channels about the frag movies and stuff like that, or just generally about Counter-Strike content, if you made that, if you uploaded a video of CSGO, you got hated into oblivion. Everybody hated you for that. But I was like, how much, like, it can only get better. You, I reckon like 2,000 views per video or something in Counter-Strike Source, it only get better. So I gave that a shot. Now, I was the first one to do these videos, and I was also the very only one who made this documentary frag movie style thing is who went to events and created this content with a camera. And I was pretty good at combining event footage and the actual reactions and everything that is outside the game with everything that is inside the game. Mm -hmm. Now, fast forward is that I really like doing that. Um, I was working at that time for an agency, marketing and stuff like that. And I was uh, at the same event where there was one of the very first CSGO events. I went there. Uh, I think I didn't sleep for 48 hours in, at this event because I had to work from 8 to 8 at the booth, which was a Call of Duty booth for some PC uh, company in Germany. And then, lucky for me, there was so many delays that I got to film the event until 5 or 6 in the morning. So, you know, <laughs> 5, 6 in the morning, you have to start at 8 again. So that, that's what I did there. And that was the time where I met NIP as well, where I met um, the former CEO, Niklas with uh, the entire team. So that was the first time where I interacted with like uh, Fifth Lauren and the likes of the, the old NIP, the legacy NIP, right? That everybody knows. And uh, he was really keen on having that idea of having a frag movie guy. And it really just went like, hi, it's sort of TLDR, hi, I would like to do these things. Would you pay me for that? Uh, he was like, well, we have a small budget. I was like, sure, I'm living with my parents. I'm doing it for that. If you pay my travel and stuff like that as well, etc. And he was like, sure, man, I really would like to have these videos. That was it. The only discussion that we had was when Heaton, which is, uh, should be also be wild, you know, maybe for people who watch this, uh, said, and I quote this, well, I could take the footage with my phone as well so we can spare the costs. And uh, lucky for me, the CEO knew his way around cameras from working in TV. And he then said, nah, dude, like we need that guy on site. It's not going to happen that you do that with the phone. So my first event was Copenhagen Games 2013. And uh, the video was done like a month after something like that. Uh, everybody was super happy. And from there on out, it went rolling. Um, and at one point, I then quit my agency job where I did uh, marketing and everything like that. So I did that for one and a half years as well. I quit that to go uh, full time with NIP by full time. Because uh, a lot of people always think like full-time, yeah, you get paid a good salary and stuff like that. I mean, I got my base salary, the minimum salary, and I was living with my parents and stuff. So it was like a monetary job where you like, okay, make big bucks. I think by now everybody knows 2013, 14, 15 in esports is non-comparable uh, when it comes to money um, on how it is now. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I did it full-time. That's what I did it. I see. Um, so how long did that last, like the NIP deal? Uh, it lasted until the point where my YouTube and stuff actually skyrocketed. Mm -hmm. It could have lasted until now, I, I, would, I suppose. But there was a couple of questions in the room in, in 2015. As one, my YouTube blew up. Um, we all know, a lot of people know by now what you, how the horizon looks like when you're actually really big on YouTube or Twitch and stuff like that. And uh, comparably, I was really big on Twitch in CSGO. Like, um, I think I netted at 1.5.5k subs or something, um, which is, well, obviously, with the giveaways and stuff and skins, etc., etc., but still. That was way um, back, too. Like, yeah, yeah. Before Twitch Prime and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it was actually yeah. before Twitch Prime. 
Yeah. So is it was uh, I was obviously making a lot more money than uh, a minimum wage. So I had to make the decision between staying with the team and the people that I've been with for two and a half years uh, or going solo. Um, but at the end, it was a mutual business decision. Uh, that was that was the only decision why I left. I never really had any problems whatsoever. Um, yeah, that's 2015. The decision mm-hmm. was just business. They would have kept me. They would have also given me a proper salary at that year. Um, but I decided to go against it. And uh, from a business standpoint, it was obviously the decision I had to make and that I still from now say, yeah, I, like, you know, it would be stupid to not do it. But um, yeah, sometimes I miss it. Sometimes I miss just going to the events and being with the people. Yeah. So you mentioned your Twitch channel. When did you start streaming? You hit, I don't remember actually, 2012, 11. Mm-hmm. I remember streaming me editing videos because that really doesn't take a lot of bitrate mm-hmm. to make it visible. Uh, I had really shit internet. And I remember streaming case openings, which is also basically just a still image with your webcam and uh, just a case opening animation. Mm-hmm. That was like 2014 something. And then in 2015, I moved out to the place where I'm still in today, where there was good internet. That's where I actually start, started streaming a lot more. Mm-hmm. Like so, that's when I actually started streaming before it was only case openings. Yeah. So your content on Twitch was relatively similar to what you were doing on YouTube uh, in that yeah. day. Just, it's just sort, live sort, of, stuff. sort of the same as now, right? Yeah. Uh, YouTube is the main source. And uh, whatever I do on Twitch is sort of getting put into YouTube. Mm-hmm. Okay, so tell me about frag movies nowadays in 2019. Like, what is the status of frag movies? Uh, unfortunately, and a lot of players tell me that at events still is like, I would very much love to see these frag movies that you did back in the day again, but everybody understands at this point in time that um, even ESL understood it. Uh, just today, they released a frag movie from New York, which happened over the weekend. Uh, it is really not quality stuff Mm -hmm. it's just like nowadays you want to be the first to get those extra views you know you need to get you hit you need to hit those metrics you need to hit those standard views you need to hit those uh likes you need to hit those comments etc etc as a company because you have to deliver for your sponsors Mm -hmm. back in back in the days where i did it is like i released a frag movie every two three months and maybe on I did some content aside. I was actually the first one to do some content with the CSGO players, like interviews before and stuff like that. Nowadays, it's obviously the norm. Yeah. But nowadays, you got to put it from an uh, organization's point of view. That's why frag movies with quality are not existing anymore. One, the editors, they grew older. The good ones, they have jobs. Like uh, a lot of CSGO frag movie editors or something... Um, one of one of them is now working at movies like uh, Iron Man and shit, which is actually funny. I still know him. He's in Munich. He's working for a production. The other ones are hired by ESL or hired by DreamHack or you know they're hired. Exactly. So that's yeah. and and they are not hired to create one frag movie every six months, but they are hired to create the content. See it from an organizational standpoint. You have one guy who's doing a frag movie every two to three months, which is really quality and is gonna net you like 110k views. Or this guy is creating a hundred videos, different types of content, where overall on YouTube it's netting you a million views or two million views or even more or less, depending on how hot the topic is, right? So it's quantity over quality nowadays, but understandably so. Yeah. I mean, I remember the days of Call of Duty back in, I don't know, 2007, mm. eight. Frag movies were everything back in the day because you didn't have streams, you didn't you didn't really watch the yeah. tournaments live, so you would just get replays and make a frag movie, and that's where you would see, oh, look at this girl, look at that, that's yeah, amazing, that you know. Well. Yeah, the technical like it, it just went really far. It, it's in a in a way, it's really sad though because you would want to watch those quality things. Back in back in the days when I started, it was all about the like people just wanted to show off. They it, it was their hobby. Mm-hmm. So, and now if you're a new guy to the block that is coming in and editing, you see all of those fancy, you know, like things that, like all of those, those options, like, hey, I could edit for this YouTube guy, I could edit for this streamer, and, you know, all these kind of things, like I could make this my full-time job. 
back in the day, you were like, well, if it takes six months to create that track, maybe it takes six months. I'm going to get F all for it, you know? Yeah, it's nowadays, just inefficient. Yeah, yeah not, but like, what, what, what do you do nowadays? Would you go and create a lot of videos every once, like every day and make a living out of it? Yeah. Or would you take your skill set and create, um, like have a normal day job and then create your frag movie that you release after six months and get a couple of uh, pats on the back for it? Yeah. So the aim for everybody that is coming in nowadays is not anymore to create the frag movies for fun or for the quality. It's either you make a, you know, like, you know, you know, the get, you get the point where I'm coming from. Like, it's yeah. just. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you still make quite extensive videos of your vlogs and uh, events, and now you made like why Astralis is better than Liquid, and and just videos that take a lot of time. That are not, you're not making them for the money. You're making them to uh, make a point or just to provide some extra value for a viewer, something that they don't see anywhere else, or something behind the scenes and stuff like that. Um, could you, I don't know, for example, tell us what your vlogging equipment looks like for events there they go to? Um, yeah, for one, I would like to touch on that is that um, I think it's a combination of all of it um, because quality videos, people are going to return, they, the views are going to be stable in a way or will be stable in a way. You know, it's, it's all one big scheme. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do the thing again that is like i'm I'm gonna create quantity over quality just because then people are gonna run away eventually i want to do this for a longer time than i've already done it and i've done it for a very long time mm -hmm. so th there's that and equipment wise i, I mean I, i'm coming from a creative director job um i'm not sure sh should i just drop the names here i like i do have a proper equipment i do yeah, have... just yeah sure like actual models Drop and names stuff. sure actual models well it's yeah. a gh5 for the vlogging camera which is a camera uh how can i example as this uh esl used them 2016 for the events mm -hmm. so it's a very quality camera in a way it's not too unhandy um i do have these smaller cameras that you see a lot for the vlogging people or like for the pro players i do have two or three of those actually as well i would have a lot more equipment to go with in vlogs i could do like with a ronin um if that uh gimbals you know the ronin is the bigger version of a gimbal mm -hmm. um i do have proper tripods i do have six seven different lenses that i could all use to create proper videos but at the end of the day i still feel like it's unnecessary to spend that much time on the vlogs unless you hit like millions of views right so i still i, I try to keep the balance in there mm -hmm. But what I'm trying to say is that you have all yeah. that equipment, you invested yeah. in all that equipment, then you go to an event, you drag it around 12 hours a day, you film, yeah. I don't know, two hours of footage, uh, then you come home, then you edit it for, I don't know, 12, 15 hours, you release it, and it's 10 minutes long, yeah. max, or something like that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just the amount of time and money invested, it, it hardly pays off. But, yeah, but I, that's not the point. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm, I'm yeah, like I'm, I mean, overall, it's sort of all paid off, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I did, I did work on videos for four to five years without anything. And there's a, there's a, there's an interesting saying uh, that also goes for the gym people, for instance, is you have to work like years or you have to work uh, so much time in the shadows until something is actually recognized. You know? Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter if if. Like, in a way, sometimes I'm thinking as well, like, hey, man, I would very much like to be a Shroud that is uh, very talented at gaming generally, and he's just a boy who's gaming, which is what is Shroud, which is what I actually like about him as well. He's just a kid that likes to game, happens to be really good at it. And, I mean, you could basically upload a video of him sitting on the toilet for 10 minutes just looking at the camera, and it would get a million views. So, obviously, that's not me. Sometimes I'm thinking that way as well, but then again... Just look at what you've got, right? So yeah. I, I like doing these videos. That's why I keep spending uh, more time than I probably need to or probably should. So I'm not sure where it heads me, but to be honest with you, I yeah. really don't. What I'm trying to say is, let's say there's an aspiring streamer or YouTube content huh. creator uh, listening or watching. You cannot look at single videos and say, this hmm. one 
made ten dollars it's not worth to make this this one uh, took too long yeah. like you gotta look at the bigger picture look at your brand and what you represent and that yeah. might lead into some other opportunities like for yourself the nip deal which uh, which i guess uh, helped you out at the start and uh, and everything else that happened um yeah it's just you, yeah you can't really look at it you, you said it correctly it's like something could take off you don't know what will take off something could take off it's uh, a lot of my friends like really they just had one video idea and that suddenly took off so they started milking that in a way yeah. that's how youtube works you know but um yeah just be consistent that's yeah. probably the best thing you can say about it be consistent don't stop yeah so talking about LAN events how mm. many LAN events did you attend in the last 10 years maybe too many too many can you even count i, I no i couldn't count is it was at least like at the start with an ip an average of like 10 20 a, a year at least so at this I point know, you're like over 100 plus minus something yeah something wow. like 100 ish on basically so every continent all. right not all of them but yeah i'm not missing many let's put it like that i'm not <laughs> missing uh, i haven't been asia yet even okay. though I could have had that, I could mm -hmm. have, I could have gone to Asia, but that was actually at the time where I stopped working with NIP. I see. Yeah, and then they came around the corner, like, uh, and then the next month I see, okay, the video director is traveling to back in, the, I think it was ISO that wanted a sponsor, in like to Asia. I was like, could have stayed one more month and been to Asia. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, what about your favorite event? Cologne. Cologne has to be, like, like. It just makes you feel special, honestly, when you're in Cologne. Oh, yeah, of course. Like, I mean, yeah, it's like the German, like for some reason, I'm, I'm creating content in English, right? Mm -hmm. But still, people know I'm German, so they give me that extra look in a way, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Uh, they, they just turn to me like, like, okay, this guy's German, so I might as well support him. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, so in Cologne, it's just a different feeling. Obviously, everybody comes together. That's in at every event, right? So, but in Cologne, it's just like the funds and this entire setup of. I just walked. I I walked to the arena, and I I can't do anything for like three four hours just because everybody's recognizing you, right? It's and the atmosphere and everything. Cologne is always like a good, a perfect memory in that sense. So yeah. I, I say Cologne. All right. When it comes to uh, professional CS:GO players, and uh, you're good friends with a lot of them right over yeah. the last few years you've yeah. uh, met basically everyone uh in the scene um how does it look when you want to schedule some games with them because i see a lot of videos where you play with different cs gopros and they're really popular yeah. because people don't really get to see them play outside just pro yeah. games how does it look when you want to schedule a game with them or well for the most part uh these are just coming spontaneously because mm -hmm. uh, they don't have much time uh, that's just what it is and when they actually do have time uh, I promise you you don't want to play the game that you play 24-7 anyway Yeah. Um, like at the end of the day it's also not healthy for them to keep like I, there's only like I, I could probably name you five pros of the bat that I know that are playing the game for a living and that are still playing the game when they are not supposed to play it <laughs> so it's like uh, if they have an off time they most of them they have a wife they have a girlfriend they have a family they have their pets or dog like they have anything else but don't invite me to candlestick yeah so most of them spontaneously it so happens to be that i actually um once talked to an agent of a player mm -hmm. that i have known since nine years and i had to schedule a time with an agent <laughs> where i could play a matchmaking game with my friends you know so yeah that's what i was I, I i was totally fine with it because yeah. i know like yeah this is how it actually should go right but it was still a, a little bit of a what the actual is happening moment yeah yeah but generally just like spontaneous like mm -hmm. sometimes they're playing with their girlfriends or they they just oh yeah i want to play face so you want to join me and i was like yeah sure yeah. why not yeah all right, um, you go to the gym quite a lot, and that is uh, yeah. also part of your brand, let's say, and uh, Actually, everything it around it. Yeah. Um, could you tell us about your <laughs> daily routines? How does your day look from waking up, streaming, editing, gym, yeah. etc.? So there's actually not, in that sense, not really a daily routine. Um, what I try to do is I just try to get up somewhere in the morning. Um, 
it so happens to be sometimes it just really you know messes you up when you play too much into the night yeah but um the usual thing is that i get up at like somewhere in the morning um which will sound weird to people that are having that regular job right um but i assure you it's just that sometimes <laughs> i don't you know like i still tend to pull my 10 hours at the very minimum a day um which is quite a lot but it's wake up check the emails you know at the end of the day you have to you have your communication as well that you have to send with the business and stuff it's a business it's not just you sit in front of the pc and do stuff so I check my emails i sometimes do my legal stuff or my tax or paperwork or whatever you need to do um fix that check what is happening then i usually stream until the gym and then i work on videos now mm -hmm. this is rapidly changing depending on okay do i need do i want to do an extra video or do i feel like streaming i'm not necessarily pulling myself on a stream schedule i really just do content whatever or whenever i feel like it i used to have a schedule but i'm just not that kind of person that can stream whenever mm -hmm. like i need to feel it so nowadays i'm just like okay do i feel streaming then i stream uh did i release a video this week well actually i have a lot of content let's do a video right now so there's no real schedule as long as I provide the content and as long as I be consistent in a way. So you're not trying to force the streaming because if you're not inspired, no. you think that the stream won't be of well, the highest quality, like, let's say. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm a guy playing video games um, on the stream and people would like to see people have fun. I, exactly. I, I personally, like, even, even if uh, somebody's tryharding or something in a way, like, okay, cool, you're a really good player. Uh, they want to see you play good. Now... One or the other things is if you just put the stream on because you have to, you're not going to have fun and you're most likely not going to play good. So where's the enjoyment for the viewer? Mm -hmm. I've done that way too many times uh, in 2015, 16, 17 and stuff that I just forced myself to stream for the metrics, uh, forced myself to stream to get viewers, forced myself to stream to get more followers and whatever. And uh, as it so happens to be, I had a lot of very negative streams and a lot of streams where I was like, nah, I should have just not even streamed because I tended to be like really upset about me playing bad or I tend to like, you know, get a little sleep because I forced myself to a schedule that I then had negative streams, like like actual streams where I was like, dude, I was rewatching. I was like, how can you say these things or how did yeah. you get so angry? So nowadays I'm just like, let, a, let loose, like, like enjoy yourself. Yeah, I mean, you're a public person. You're you're getting viewed by other people, and I, for myself, really like to watch people that enjoy themselves. And if mm -hmm. you're not enjoying yourself with what you're doing, at the end of the day, it's a creative job in a way. Yeah. So exactly. I let loose, you know, just as long as I'm consistent. That's 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 the key point for me. As long as, as long as I'm not like, ah oh, man, I don't want to stream today. I'm not gonna stream. Like, oh man, I don't want to do a video today. Oh, like after a month, like, ah, oh, I haven't done a video in a month. Nah, dude. Like, I at least have my either videos out or either I stream. Yeah, but I at least have my content. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm always impressed by people that can stream for like ten hours a day every day. Uh, yeah, but I same. feel like at least like one quarter of the times they don't feel like streaming. Like, there's no way. Yeah. That someone can stream that much it's the same game let's say cs pubg whatever um and just be be happy about it all the time but i guess they uh they're good at hiding that as well so i mean uh, there's a lot of streamers it's just one big act yeah sure exactly like i'm just not very good at that <laughs> <laughs> i'm just not very good at acting if somebody is you know pissing me off i tell them that um, yeah yeah but that's just what streaming is. It's it's it it could be one like you know. But I think that viewers do see through if it's genuine or not. Yeah. Obviously, you're not like talking about the big act like Doctor Disrespect. Everybody's realizing that's an act. Mm -hmm. Um. But yeah, there's a lot of people who just know this. You you know these switches, right? Yeah. So you played a lot of CS. You played a lot of PUBG in the last two years. But could you tell me your perspective, point of view on? Esports in CSGO and in PUBG, what are the differences for you? Esports and CSGO, PUBG. Uh, obviously, the entire environment uh, in Counter-Strike is more natural than in PUBG. Um, mm -hmm. I still do believe to this day, and uh, that is why I, it feels unstable. 
Mm-hmm. What is happening to PUBG esports uh, as soon as the money flow from PUBG Corp is fading away right now? What is going to happen there? Yeah. Counter-Strike is something that has been built up um, for years over years over years over years, right? It's been now 20 years. PUBG kind of, I wouldn't say forced, this entire competitive scene was there as well, but it's in a very, very young, young age, young stage. Like people nowadays tend to be like, it has to you know, do it like this. And that's why I like PUBG with the, like, you know, they have a plan for more years. Mm-hmm. So it's a young esports versus an established older esports already. And obviously the entire viewing experience between PUBG and Counter-Strike. Counter-Strike is just the easiest, simplest thing to get into with a lot of death. And PUBG is sort of easy to get into as well, but the viewing experience just because it's requiring so many resources is a lot harder to present than anything else. But I'll be honest, though, PUBG is on a good way. Um, judging from the tournaments that uh, we attended actually together, yeah, which was uh, one face it, and uh, also watching GLL, um, and I'm pretty sure watching PGC that is coming up, it's going to be a good experience. So PUBG is on its way. Where it's heading, dude, I wouldn't really want to give a prediction on that, but it's still, yeah. you know, it's young versus established, easier to get into game versus harder to get into game viewing experience-wise, so... Well, when we when we say PUBG esports, I guess we're more talking about just battle royale esports in general because yeah, we don't I have think. to stick to PUBG necessarily. Who knows what happens with PUBG? But it just brought this new, uh, new way of thinking yeah. and new way of spectating because you have a lot of teams in the same game. Like it's not one v one or yeah. a team versus team. It's team versus team versus team versus team. Sixteen teams at least, and. Um, I think that affects also the professional teams that want to get into PUBG because how do you get the value out of your team if there's 16 different teams and your team gets, I don't know, 30 seconds of screen time every game and stuff like that. Although, yes, they do play like every single game, but the, the problem is, does it pay off in the end? And, and how, yeah. does, how does one player stand out from the mass of players in PUBG? Like, yeah, but like that's the thing is, uh, it's it it's more or less to their personal brands now, right? Yeah, like a lot of the battle royale players uh, also do stream quite a lot. Yeah, which is very good in a way. So you can bank that off of their personal brands right now, at least. Mm-hmm. But the ones that don't stream, they don't really have too much of a brand, then, right? Yeah, that, like every single player, uh, I feel like if you're in one way or another being a pro player, should look after building your brand a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, because eventually, and that, that's, that's what's going to get you cut instantly is from an organizational point of view, right? If you're underperforming, well, goodbye, you know? Yeah. If you're underperforming, but you're a huge brand, then they're going to give you more time. Yeah. Eventually, you're going to get cut, right? But they're still going to give you a lot more time. Yeah. And you're more valuable to everything else. So I'm actually not sure where it's going to head. Um, it's still it's still a big question mark for me. Yeah. All right. Well, it's it's a topic for another podcast. But Honestly, yeah, yeah you could probably talk about that for two hours. Yeah, surely. Um, you did a little bit of commentating on the side every once in a while, oh, I yeah. guess. Um, have you ever considered that as a potential career for yourself? Mm, I thought about it, uh, especially in German, uh, not necessarily in English, just because I don't think I am too versatile to commentate. Mm-hmm. Um, from an analytical, analytical standpoint, maybe, um, where you, you, know, you talk about these things that are happening and just explain it a little bit more, I could do that. Commentating is a very hard thing to do, and I wouldn't necessarily say I'll commentate it, color casting or uh, like you know being the guy that you can pick the brain from mm-hmm. that for sure um thought about doing it more um but yeah it's as many things nowadays it's like hey i seem to be very interested in that people actually liked it i could most likely do something like that but and that's what i think that i learned very early is if you divide your focus too much you're going to end up losing it all Mm-hmm. So I don't want to divide my focus off of going into, okay, hey, this caster thing would be really cool, but content creating still works for me. So I'm like, you know, it's the same thing with PUBG and CSGO. I was like, 
I could go ahead and create uh, PUBG content for YouTube as well, but like, then what am I going to do? When do I stream PUBG? When do I stream CSGO? When do I create YouTube content for PUBG? When do I stream, you know? Yeah. So I like to do it nowadays, like focus CSGO. And whenever I feel like it, just play PUBG a little bit. Yeah. Know? Yeah, I, I, I hear you. You don't want to go into too many different uh, directions. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's some... a fun thing to do aside, though. Yeah. Pretty... It's a fun thing that I dip my toe into. Yeah. That's yeah. So something else I wanted to talk to you about, uh something for maybe people that are struggling with uh, making money from streaming and uh YouTube content oh. creation. You had a lot of major sponsorship deals in the mm. last few years. Yeah. Um what do the big brands uh look for from the streamers or from YouTubers? How big of brands are we talking about? Like okay, I'm going to just generally say it. Um it doesn't matter. Really, really, it doesn't matter. As long as you, uh, in one way or another, are attractive. Like, there's, there's people who are getting sponsored because they have a lot of views. Mm -hmm. um, and the partners and the sponsors, they do not give a single sh about uh, what, is, what their content actually is, but they get views, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of, like, for instance, sponsorships, uh, mobile games. They don't give a damn uh, what your content is about as long as you hit the metrics, like, yeah. as long as you hit the views, as long as you hit the downloads or whatever the hell they want. Um, then there is um, brands like, um, for instance, I was a partner with Vodafone or a specific brand that I know, for instance, is not dipping its toe into Counter-Strike content is Mercedes. So there's a lot of companies that are then going ahead like, okay, I do not want to have anything to do with that game. I would very much only work with this game. Then there's people like, okay, I would very much like to work with this guy. And for instance, with me, it's funnily enough that a couple of companies wanted to work with me just because... Uh, they can present me on a stage. They can present me in pictures, like, you know, as stupid as it sounds. Then there's people who very much like to work with people who have serious content, people who very much are brand safe, you know, who are like catering, who who not swearing a lot, who are like having content that is, you know, marketable. Mm -hmm. Then there's a lot of companies who don't, who look at your content, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's so many small things that can go into it as long as you have a following. Yeah. Like as long as you have a, then there's people who have 5 million views on YouTube, but they don't even have a following on the social socials, right? Which is then a, not really that attractive. Then you have people who have a, are established already where you know, okay, he has that following that is, you know, that, that knows that he's not necessarily like that, that true following, right? How's it called? And yeah, just established, right? Yeah. Then there's people who are just looking for new fresh faces. It's just like whatever it is. I I wouldn't know. Um, many many companies have different approaches. Um, many companies have different beliefs. Many companies hire different agencies with different beliefs. It really 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 just comes down to whatever small thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Also, it comes down obviously that you are even in the mix. If a company wants to work with YouTubers, and uh, your name isn't even gonna get dropped, then yeah. You know, it's also as stupid as the sound comes down to vitamin B, or it just comes down to you being in the picture. How I really like that setting that, or like that sentence that the complexity CEO Jason Lake said years ago. Um, and that is all you need to do is you need to make noise. And that sentence kind of stuck with me in a, in a way. Because mm -hmm. you need to make noise. You need to create content. You need to put yourself out there. Yeah. Everything else will follow eventually. So you said that some companies are looking also for like a figure that they can use in uh, their media and uh, like yeah, as like an your ambassador. brand ambassador. Yeah. So yeah. you think that uh, you doing the gym for years and just, uh, you know, let's say taking care of your looks more than an average person. Do you think that that contributed to your streaming career? Oh, yeah. And your, yeah. And um, I think that people should realize that as something very positive is something that almost anyone can get into. It just takes a lot of effort and people just are, are lazy and don't want to do it. And then they maybe make fun of that in, in a certain way. Not necessarily, I'm not talking about you, just in general. I feel like that is a one thing that anyone can do to try to improve their chances of getting uh, sponsored at the end of the day, 
at the end of the day. I yeah, mean, but it really comes down to these small things, right? Somebody like I'm not saying, "Oi, go to the gym, you're gonna get sponsors." No, of course not. Um, no. But yeah, like something, like just something to stand out. Yeah. There's there's always one way or another way you can make yourself stand out. It you you'll find it eventually, even if it's just you. Yeah. Like every everyone has that little interesting thing in them, um, whatever it might be. Yeah. Uh, I, what I wanted to say is I I just wanted to point out one little thing that maybe someone could do or some other thing that is out there that is available to everyone. It's just that you have to do it. It takes a lot of time. It takes effort, but. At the end of the day, it might pay off. You never know. Someone might approach you and say, hey, we want to do, I don't know, a perfume sponsorship and uh, yeah, you look good and we want to do you. some. Yeah, yeah, it has to be a fit for you. Yeah. Like nobody, uh, maybe McDonald's actually were in the talk at one point. I'm not sure. But like, you know, uh, no, like a, uh, let's say, uh, Grenade, for instance, or like uh, Runtime, my sponsor currently. Now, Runtime is something that is for everybody, actually. But let's say Grenade, um, they are not going to go ahead and, no, maybe they will. Hmm. It really depends what they want to do. But yeah, there's obviously uh, products or something that are not a fit. Like I'm not going to get sponsored like all of these Instagram models with, like, uh, for lipstick products. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, you can't cover it all. Yeah, that's that's what you got to realize at one point is you cannot cover it all. There's just a lot of like a very, very tiny margin of people that you could literally sell for everything just because they're that universal. But at the end of the day, you really won't be that 0.001%. Yeah. So don't be like, don't look at it like, okay, this guy got that sponsorship. Why is it not me? I got views as well. Well, maybe because you're not a fit man. Yeah. Like, true. Um, talking more about this topic, how do you think streamers contribute in esport events? <laughs> um, and what different ways can they make the esport event better or uh, maybe more accessible to the casual viewer, or maybe uh, the way that they connect their viewers to esports and the games that they follow and stuff like that. Well, the, you, you just said it, right? Uh, most of the streamers are casuals. I consider myself a casual as well, even though I play a lot of like or only competitive in a way, but I'm still casual. So that's just how, how it connects. You get a streamer to do a show match. You get a streamer to interact with the pros um, or a YouTube guy. You get a YouTube guy to interact. Like for me, it's not daily business that I'm backstage having the prac areas, seeing like, you know, uh, the chill lounges, uh, getting like catering 24-7 or whatever the hell like the pros do. Getting pulled on stage and everything like that. So yeah, it's just get those streamers, get those content creators in. Um, do some deals with them where they advertise your event for people to watch uh, or for people to attend. You bring the casual, like every streamer and content creator is a casual that is bringing more of a casual audience and I keep telling that to a lot of events is meanwhile your event is going on people still watch that streamer yeah you know? exactly like uh, obviously way less uh, specifically for me when Counter-Strike it's obviously a lot less when a big tournament is going on but I, I guess the best the best deal is always um, Shroud for instance or somebody like that Let, let's just pick Shroud if he streams PUBG He's got like 40,000 viewers or something, or 30,000. I'm not sure what the metrics are nowadays for him. I haven't seen him stream PUBG in a while. And I assure you that if PEL is live at the same time, they're only going to get 5K yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, what I wanted to say is, do you see streamers being an integral part of eSport events in the future? Because you and I, yeah. we've attended quite a few uh, pro yeah, events these, or yeah. some sort of of land events yep. that are not necessarily meant for us, but we still attended them. We still got everything paid, but it's not every event. Okay. It's every once in a while, but still, uh, do you feel like it's going to be a norm in the coming yep. years? I do. I do think it's going to be not only a norm, um, but one of these new esports things like, I like to call it new esports, even if that doesn't even make sense. 
But right now it's just the pros against the pros and stuff. But it's gonna not shift, but it's gonna be an added content towards his like the Twitch rivals. Mm-hmm. Streamers versus streamers. Like, you know, like people like to watch people that are like sort of on the same level, but still not really. Yeah. So they can relate a little bit more and they fight like, you know, like people that they are closer to. And exactly. it's entertaining to watch. Yeah. Uh, specifically when you have somebody to cheer for, right? I think it's going to be a thing. Uh, I like to believe it's going to be a bigger thing. PUBG and all of the BR titles and stuff like that, they are pulling that a lot. I would very much like to see the established esports doing that as well. Like League of Legends did it with LOL Tyler lately. Uh, CSGO, uh, I mean, the only thing they did for the content creators was retweeting a video of a couple of people here and there. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I would very much like, like to see CSGO introducing something to work with them. I mean, Fortnite uh, is, is a given. Uh, they have their creator code. PUBG now has a PUBG skins, uh, has skins with uh, Twitch, uh, which is sometimes a questionable decision, but still. Um, they do a lot with the creators. So everybody is realizing the value. Yeah. And the value is given, and I think it's only going to grow from here on out. Like, why would you, like, who's, who are you associating with if you're a regular Twitch viewer? Either, are you associating yourself a lot with the pros or with the guy who's replying to your questions 24-7 in chat? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I think we covered most of the topics that uh, we wanted to cover. I'd like to thank you for coming. Ah, man, I think we a had a, a great talk. I told and... you the time is going to fly, man. <laughs> well, look, we'll, uh, it's within margins, okay? We'll cut it down a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you, man, for coming. Great pleasure. Me, Maybe some uh, some other time as well for some other topics. Who knows? Dude, I'm I'm down. I'm down to just talk and talk and talk. Perfect. I can talk. Yeah. All right. I'll catch you uh, some Thank other you. time, dude. Thank you. All right. Make sure to follow Mr. Tweede. That is M R Tweede on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. If you like the show, rate it, subscribe, like it, do whatever you want. It's very much appreciated. Sign up for a newsletter, and. That's it. See you in the next one.